Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a fantastic win for the Kansas Jayhawks over the Kansas State Wildcats. Let me tell you, I had a lot of fun with that one. I know everybody listening had a whole lot of fun with that one, unless you're a masochistic K-State fan that decided to listen to the opposing team's podcast after a gigantic loss like that. To help me recap this game and talk about all the wonderful things it means for everything coming forward, coming back to the podcast, uh, one of our analysts over at Blue Wings Rising, that is Steve Fetch. Fetch, how you doing today? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, good. man, that game, I mean, there's so many different things we could talk about with that game. I actually was on the radio earlier today, and I had to, like, stop myself because I could have just gone on straight for 20 minutes, you know, just talking about how much fun that game was. So, of all the things to happen, though, like, what was the number one thing that jumped out to you as either – the most fun thing to talk about or the most important thing to talk about moving forward? Well, I think first things first, you know, we got to talk about what you said about masochistic K-State fans in your intro. I mean, by definition, if they're a masochistic, wouldn't they also have enjoyed, you know, the game last night? I mean, if it was that, that bad part. That is fair. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, where, where do you start? I mean, I think probably just the fact that, um, you know, the offense after maybe a couple of um, games where it seemed like they weren't, doing very well although i guess i would argue that was more due to the pace of the game than anything um they sure showed out in a big way hitting 100 points for i believe the second time this season with the only other one being in the missouri game and you know if you could pick two games to score 100 points in those got to be the two opponents that you would pick so um getting to 100 points scoring uh you know about 130 points per 100 possessions which is uh, obviously incredible um still the top offense in the big 12 um, the fact that K-State let them, you know, run with them and kind of impose their will on the game pace-wise was really huge as well. And um, I think it just showed that when Kansas can get out and run and, and when they can get into a game where they're not uh, letting the other team take so many more shots than them due to offensive rebounds and turnovers and that sort of thing, that they're going to be really difficult to beat. Yeah, I mean, that's really the main takeaway to take is just that Kansas has so many different options and they have so many different players that can turn it on and just go ballistic that when you get 
two or three of them and an opposing defense that isn't going to do much to stop them, like, or adjust to the fact that they're going off, that it's going to snowball pretty quickly. And that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing, the biggest positive for this Kansas team is just that they do have so many options. And when the offense gets going, it gets going good. Like it can, it can turn off occasionally, but it gets to a point where it feeds on itself. And we saw that to an extreme degree in that game. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, and, and obviously you, when you're talking about the offense, it, it starts with a point guard position, big night for Dewan Harris with those seven assists, only two turnovers, um, you know, didn't make a three, but I think the fact that he shot two of them was good. Um, you know, made three of his four twos. The one that he missed, I remember was kind of one of those that looked like it could have been an alley-oop attempt. Maybe it was like one of those, uh, it, I hope it was cause it was kind of a, a pretty bad fling if not, but <laughs> you know, um, I, I think you'd rather have him air on the side of being more aggressive versus less aggressive. That doesn't, you know, lead to a, a four on five type deal on offense. Um, Joe, yes, coming in, you know, really played well when, when Harris was on the bench. Um, and then obviously, you know, Abaji, great game, Christian Brown, great game, Jalen Wilson, great game. Um, you know, even David McCormick, you know, not, not his best game, but like not awful. Uh, Mitch Leifa comes in as six of seven from the field. Like everybody kind of, you know, showed out, um, last night and, and, uh, you know, Jalen Coleman lands, I probably shouldn't leave him all three for three from three. So, um, you're right. I mean, they just, um, you know, at the start of the year, we talked about kind of the depth that this team had and stuff. And, um, you know, that's kind of waned a little bit, I think, with the fact that Bill Self has pared down his rotation. You've had the Remy Martin injury. Um, you know, you've had the Zach Clements injury. So some of that depth has gone away. But, you know, with Clements's return and, and with Coleman Land starting to play well and stuff, and, and yes, if we starting to work his way into the rotation, I think we've kind of seen that depth um, start to come back. And the fact that if um, Dewan Harris isn't having a good game, Joe Yesifu can come in and, and uh, supplant him a little bit and stuff. So um, having those options is great. And then obviously when you have your, you know, your front runner for big 12 player of the year. And then another guy who might be first team, all big 12 playing really well. Uh, they're just going to be really tough to beat. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, honestly, I think the most encouraging thing about this game was Dewan Harris only played 27 minutes. Um, and you know, it probably, it, I mean, like he came out at the very end of the game for like the last two minutes. So theoretically he, he might've gotten up to 30, but that's, I think right in the sweet spot of where you want him playing anyway, because you want guys like Yesufu and then Martin, when he comes back to be able to get on the court, and, and run the point for some of those. And so like, I thought that was great to see what he did and he was efficient while he was out there. You know, he went three or four from two, um, you know, missed, missed those two threes, but he had seven assists to two turnovers. Like the pace of the game really helped out with the way that he likes to play the way that he's good at facilitating. And, and so I thought that that really helped as well. Um, you know, Kansas is a team that really needs to get out and run. And it's funny because the, the press conference at the end, like, Bill Self didn't think it was going to be that fast. And I, I don't think Bill Self, for at least what I got, I don't remember if he actually said it explicitly or if he just kind of hinted at it. I don't think he likes to play that fast, but it definitely plays into the strengths of this team, which is good for them. And they need to go ahead and do it that way. It hurts on the defensive end, but it I, I think that's more than made up for by how well they play offensively when they get to go that fast. The other thing I will say is, you know, the, the other, I think, encouraging sign was the fact that David McCormick could have an off game like that and Bill Self could do the sort of thing that he typically does to the freshmen in the first few games where he sat him down, you know, kind of taught him a lesson somewhat and had other people come in and step up. Now, Mitch Lightfoot played 17 of those minutes. I would have liked to potentially see Clements or Adams get a few more of those. But, um, you know, when when Lightfoot's going to play the way that he played, I think that, 
you can afford to not play the other guys as well. And, you know, you do want to keep Lightfoot engaged in this team because I, I'm envisioning that there are definitely going to be times during the during the insulated tournament where you're going to need somebody who's a lot more like McCormick to come in if McCormick gets into foul trouble or something like that than a guy like KJ Adams or Zach Clements. Now, you know, I, I don't want Mitch Lightfoot to be the only option that gets significant minutes coming off the bench, but the fact that he had a good game in a game like this, it's going to be his last one against Kansas State. And, you know, given his history with Kansas State and everything kind of going on there, it was nice to see him, you know, go out on, on a high note with those 13 points that he had. But, um, you know, just the fact that they have so many people and they played so many people and everybody, for the most part, played well in the roles that they were intended to have, I thought was was pretty much best case scenario. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, he made a good point about Mitch. You know, I think when you get um, certain front lines, you know, he can go to that that jump hook over his left shoulder, which has turned into a pretty good weapon for him. And um, it is, you know, for all of his, his faults on the defensive end, which he certainly has some in terms of, you know, pick and roll coverage and stuff like that. Um, that that's a pretty good weapon to, to be able to dump it into him and, um, you know, get two points and get him isolated on the block like that. Um, I think, you know, one guy I really liked too in the minutes that he played um, was Zach Clements, you know, offensively didn't really do much. Um, but talked about that pick and roll coverage with Mitch Lightfoot. Um, Clements is a guy who has, um, you know, come a long way um, over the, the course of the last couple of months. And obviously he's been sitting out for however long it's been with his injury. So you don't really know, you know, what he's doing in terms of practice and, and in the film room and stuff like that, but doing a really good job with those coverages, I think. And uh, you know, you don't really know what type of coverage Kansas is playing all the time. So it's tough to know exactly who's executing their role perfectly and, and who isn't, but um, just from my kind of bird's eye view, he's doing the things that you're supposed to do on the defensive end of the floor. And so I think that's probably hopefully going to earn him some more playing time because his offensive ceiling is um, incredible. So, um, but you're right. You know, I, I think Dave is a guy that, you know, you're still going to need going forward. I think he's going to be important this Saturday against Baylor. Um, and I think he's, he's good against those teams with those, you know, big front lines and um, you know, he's not much of a rim protector, unfortunately. So in, in games like last night's when you've got, you know, K-State kind of, you know, driving the lane and stuff like that. He's not going to be the guy to, to step up and, um, you know, either block a shot or, or be much of a deterrent at the rim where, you know, even a guy like Mitch or, or maybe even, you know, Zach Clemens with his height, maybe it would be a little bit more of a deterrent. But, um, you know, you need the offensive rebounding. Uh, you need the fact that uh, individually he's not a very good defensive rebounder, but his boxing out and stuff like that lets other guys grab defensive rebounds. And so that's important. So, um, the fact that they can play so well without him is, is encouraging because he is inconsistent, but I do think you're going to need him going forward to make a deep run in March. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's definitely true that Kansas wasn't perfect in this one and we can look to the defensive end. In fact, I want to look at the defensive end here in just a few minutes, but, um, before, you know, we, we talk about the fact that Kansas state scored, you know, 1.05 points per possession in this game. Um, I, you know, and anyone else you really wanted to highlight? I thought that obviously Ochai and Christian both went off. Jalen Wilson with 17 points, I thought, you know, only had four rebounds total, but continued some very strong play. I think this was one of those situations where a lot of what Wilson did set up other players for big contributions. Um, kind of like what you were talking about with, with some other players there. But um, I mean, how, how important do you think it's going to be for these players on nights where they're not getting you know, compiling the stats on their own that they're playing in such a way that we're seeing recently where they're actually setting everyone else up to be able to get bigger stats. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, huge year for Jalen Wilson. You know, I think the fact that, um, you know, he does look like he's improved his ball handling a little bit. I mean, he's still not, you know, a super tight ball handler, but last year, you know, you got up in his face and it was kind of over. He couldn't really do anything. Whereas this year he's got a a little bit more of that. Um, You know, he's, he's actually leading the big 12 in effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage. So he's obviously a lot more efficient than he was last year. Um, And, and, you know, quick trivia question here. I suppose you have Ken Palm open, so you're going to cheat a little bit here, but um, what do you think he's shooting three point percentage wise in big 12 play? Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure on big 12 play. I actually have the game page open, so I'm not, I'm actually okay. not cheating. Okay. So, All right. but I, I know, I know I looked earlier and I believe he was up to like 29% overall on the season, big 12 play. I would have to imagine given how bad he was in non-conference that he's probably shooting in the 40. So I would say like 42, 43%. Yeah. Pretty close. He's at 38% for big 12 play. So that's crazy. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say that that's his like true talent level given he's at, you know, 30% for his career, but um, he's, he's certainly on a hot streak. And I think if that's, you know, anywhere close to there, even if he's at like 35% um, with the way, you know, with his size, he can kind of bully smaller guards. And, and even with some of his ball handling related issues, he can get by bigger guys and, and get into the lane. And, and he's a, you know, 66 ish percent free throw shooter, which is obviously not great, but it's not, um, you know, you're not shooting 50% or anything like that. So it's not a complete disaster. And, and just the fact that he's drawing fouls has value as well. So um, turned himself into a little bit more of a complete player uh, defensively still needs some work, obviously, but um, you know, I think he's a, a pretty decent big man defender. The problem is he's not really playing there and he can't yeah. really guard, you know, threes and fours, unfortunately, but um, you know, offensively, yeah, he's, he's been great. So I think he's kind of the, you know, the third head on that, that three headed monster. And, and uh, Scott Jason brought up, you know, maybe potential uh, preseason big 12 player of the year next year. If we yeah. I was actually going to, I was actually going to talk about that if you didn't. So, um, you know, he is a guy, I think that's been such an improvement in the second half of the season that, you know, with, with how badly he played in the first half, it's, it's kind of on the fence, whether he's going to go like, whether he's going to go pro or not at this point. Um, I, I know he'd be a welcome addition if he comes back for next year. And, and I do agree. Like if him and Brown are both back, and I think this was part of the conversation that happened over there on, on Twitter, but if they're both back, you could have a very real possibility where those two either steal votes from each other for big 12 preseason player of the year. And it doesn't go to a Jayhawk or, you know, the voting comes down and those guys are one, two, and I have no idea who actually would be number one. So, um, you know, Kansas is, is, has the potential for, you know, with the way that some of these slumps happen for some of these teams potential to bring back some guys that are, that are absolutely fantastic that could push this, this team to another, you know, another potential big 12 title and, and a deep run in March. But we will talk about next season after this season's over because there's just so much great stuff to talk about here, but it is interesting to think about, you know, just how set up this team is for next year, even with all the pieces that they, that they're potentially losing. So, but um, you know, you, you were talking about Jalen Wilson's efficiency and before we get over to the defense, I did, you know, want to talk about the efficiency. If you go over to sponsor here on the podcast, that would be home field apparel because Homefield Apparel, as you all know, is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Uh, they have, you know, t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch of other stuff out there. More than 100 different schools that are available. They keep adding new ones all the time. They're right smack dab in the middle. Actually, they're almost done with Big New Saturday Season 3. Uh, you know, they've already announced six of the schools that are coming out. So that means two more chances for Kansas to appear, uh, you know, in the Big New Saturday Season 3. But while we are waiting to hear if Kansas is one of those last two, 
they are talking about efficiency in the middle of, if you guys are listening to this on the morning that it comes out, the friends and family sale where everything in the particular collection that they have, and they do have some great stuff. I'm looking at the Zot baseball tee. Um, you know, they have a few other schools that are things that I just absolutely love. Unfortunately, I already have them all, so I can't go save the 30% that you can save by ordering from this collection as long as you do it by the end of the day on the 24th. Um, you know, that is, there, there's no promo code needed or anything. Just head on over to Homefield Apparel, take a look at, they have over two, or they have about 200 different items that are available that are limited quantities. So you want to go ahead and take a look right now um, when you're hearing this so that you can take advantage and save 30% on the great stuff they have over there in that collection. But after that, you know, if you find something else you want after that point, if it's no longer Friday and you're listening to it now, then head on over there, take a look what they have, use promo code CHOCK12 so you can get 15% off your entire first order at that point. Or if you want to hold out and hope that Kansas comes and then use it, then I won't complain. So, but Homefield Apparel, great stuff over there. Take a look what they have, uh, you know, and, and again, Chalk 12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. All right, Fetch, I do want to turn to the defense, want to talk about what we saw here, if you're worried about it. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course, the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure. This is one family reunion you won't want to miss each week on the Cyclone family podcast. And we're back. Here with Steve Fetch, one of our analysts over at Blue Wings Rising. Uh, look, Fetch, Kansas was great on offense. The defense, though, I, I mean, how much of that was the offense was clicking so much that the defense kind of took a step back? And how much of that was actually stuff that we need to be worried about moving forward for this D? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe a little bit of both. Um, you know, obviously, when you're, when you're getting up and down like that, you're going to give up some more layups. Um, obviously, you've got, uh, you know, you're winning by – 20 points, 25 points for most of the game. Um, you're obviously going to try less hard on defense. I mean, that's kind of human nature. I do think, though, that um, K-State's specific uh, personnel and, and offensive system, even though they're not, you know, the greatest offensive team, I do think the way that they, you know, run their stuff and, and the way that they um, or the personnel that they have are a bit of an issue for this Kansas team, um, just because you've got, you know, Marquise Noel, who's a, a really quick point guard and I think Dewan Harris maybe does a little bit better against guys who are um you know maybe a little bit bigger and and um you know kind of rely on their physicality a little bit more um because he is you know he's a good on-ball defender I think he can get taken advantage of by guys who are kind of a similar quickness and then they do a really good job of kind of spreading things out on the perimeter so he had a lot of you know pretty open threes last night and um you know they shot a a pretty decent percentage from three and, and that in turn kind of opens things up um, on the inside where they shot, you know, 58% from two. And that's kind of the number I, I tend to look at mostly is that two point percentage. Cause that's the, um, that's the number that, uh, you know, the defense has the most control of, um, as opposed to the, uh, the, you know, three point percentage or, or some other things. And, you know, Kansas is still third in the big 12 in terms of allowing, uh, two point percentage and stuff. So, you know, I don't think the sky is falling or anything like that, but you know, they're certainly not, a certainly not a juggernaut, um, by any means, which is something that we knew, but, um, I guess I will highlight, you know, one good thing is, you know, they, they turned K-State over on almost 20% of their possessions last night, which is not an insane number, but, uh, for this team, it might as well be. So, um, and again, they were, you know, 
pretty much even in the turnover department. And if they can do that, um, you know, I, I think they're going to win quite a few games. Yeah. It, it feels like when we are all done here, that this Kansas team, the rest of the way is going to kind of vacillate around the 30th or so in terms of overall defense, which, which feels about right for this team. Like they're not absolutely atrocious defensively, but they're definitely not one of the stronger defensive teams that Kansas ever had. Um, but like you said, like the, you know, the things that you can typically control and do pretty well with are actually coming back fairly good with this team. Um, you know, forcing more turnovers. Um, I'm just trying to look at some of the other things. I, obviously the points were high, but like you said, when, you know, when Kansas is shooting 62 and a half percent from three, um, you know, you kind of feel yourself a little bit and like, don't worry quite so much. Like, Hey, if they're going to make a shot, we're going to be able to come back and do the exact same thing. So it's, you know, maybe you don't close out quite as quick. Maybe you don't do exactly everything that you really think you normally should, you know, in a, in a normal possession there. But, you know, Kansas was up quite a bit throughout this entire game. I mean, you know, they were up, let me see, they were up by, uh, well, 10 at the half. It looks, yes, 10 at the half. I Let me tell you, there was so much scoring in here. I always kind of forget what the margin is at, at various times. And then they, exploded in the third quarter, um, you know, to kind of hold on, but that, you know, they, they played even in the fourth quarter and won by 19 points. Um, so like they were, had a huge lead for a good portion of the night, one where it was extremely comfortable, but they didn't really have to necessarily try as hard defensively, especially when they were continuing to make shots. Anytime you score 102 points, that kind of naturally, I think inflates what the opponent's score is going to be because, you know, you're not, you're not as sharp on your defense when you've got a giant lead one, because, you know, we don't need to be pressing and doing everything we can to take away, you know, all the offensive opportunities. If, you know, if like sportsmanship and all that stuff, like you, you hear about, you don't want to win by 50 or something like that. Like I would love it as a fan, but if you're playing the game, there is kind of a mutual respect where you don't want to completely embarrass somebody uh, unless they do something that, that fully deserves it. And I don't think Kansas State has quite done anything like that this year. So, um, but yeah, like you said, it was great that the turnovers were about even there. I, I honestly thought that the the turnovers were a good stat for the Jayhawks and they, they just turned it over too many times themselves. So um, everything else though, you do kind of, I mean, you know, they, they did offensive rebound at 27% of the opportunities, um, like that was their, their offensive rebounding rate, which I think is a little high. It's not atrocious, but it's definitely higher than I would like it to be. Um, and like you said, you know, 58% from twos, which isn't a horrible number. It's not like a super fantastic number, but it's definitely, I think, higher than I would like to see from this defense. Um, especially with a Kansas state offense, that's struggled as much as they have this year. Um, you know, I do, do think that this was a big difference there where like when they played in Manhattan, Kansas state just pretty much couldn't miss, especially Nigel Pat couldn't miss from three, um, at least in that first half. And in this game, they just never really kind of got that same streak going. And Kansas was just shooting lights out from three. So overall, I think it's understandable. It's potentially a little bit disappointing just because I would have liked to see, you know, see them win this game with Kansas State only scoring in the 60s to, to actually show that this was a good defensive effort. But I guess you kind of have to live with it. Yeah, I, I just uh, quick looked here while we were talking there uh, up to 145th nationally in terms of allowing teams to take shots at the rim and, and 147th in terms of field goal percentage allowed at the rim, which obviously neither is great, but you know, they spent most of the first couple months of the season down in the, the two hundreds range in both. So Fair. 
they're certainly improving and, and uh, you know, they're probably just doing the, the mental math here. Um, rough guesstimate, probably closer to, you know, in the top 100 somewhere in terms of, you know, since Big 12 play started. So um, if they can be right around there and not give up those super easy baskets like they were early in the season, um, I think their defense is going to be good enough uh, to where they can kind of let the offense take over, let the offense do the heavy lifting and, and hopefully make a deep run that way. So looking forward now, uh, and, and no, we're not going to do like a full you know preview of Baylor or anything like that, but I am kind of curious looking forward, how much of this do you think is going to carry forward into the game against Baylor? And then, you know, the next week where they play TCU twice before finishing up with Texas, um, or is this kind of a, a rivalry game where Kansas was just so blistering from offense that you can't really, you know, take too much from it moving forward. Well, I don't really, you know, I don't really believe in like game to game momentum stuff like that. So um, I don't think any of it really is going to, going to take uh, or carry forward. Um, you know, listen, Kansas is a, a good team on their own. They've been playing well. Um, I don't think they're going to shoot 15 to 24 from three again. Unfortunately, it would be nice if we could, pencil that in every game. I mean, I just go ahead and bet them to win the national championship now if they could do that, but, um, you know, you know, I'm all for it. (laughs) Yeah. They've been playing well. I mean, they've, you know, uh, their offense has been operating at a, other than, you know, really that West Virginia game, probably their offense has been operating at a a pretty high level here for, um, you know, really since the, the Kentucky game, uh, I guess since the at Iowa state game, if I'm reading this properly, but, um, you know, so they're playing well. Their offense is uh, still third in Ken Palm. I think it's still third in Torvik as well. Uh, defense creeping up to that top 30 level. Um, so, you know, they're good. Uh, Baylor's good as well, but um, I think they're good enough to beat them in Waco. And then obviously if you do that, you know, I think you can start printing the Big 12 title shirts. And really if they, you know, just win their remaining home games, you can print the Big 12 title shirts as well because they've got that two-game advantage. But um, obviously if you go win in Waco, it's over, over. Right, right. Like, theoretically, Texas Tech catch them, but, like, that would require a lot to go Texas Tech's way. So, um, you know, only needing one of the two games against TCU, I, I would be absolutely floored if if Kansas wasn't able to win, you know, both of those games, honestly, against TCU. So, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you have to feel really good if you're a Kansas fan about the possibility of the Jayhawk wrapping it up here you know, even potentially even coming out of the weekend, like, you know, Tuesday is the first game against TCU. If they have not wrapped up a share of it by that point, um, then I'm guessing something has gone wrong or Texas Tech is just obliterating people over the weekend. So, um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the for the recap there. But before we get out of here, Fetch, do you have a random sports minute for us? Now that the Olympics are wrapped up, there's a bunch of stuff that's kind of still on the calendar or we just got done with a bunch of stuff. So what do you got? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's break time right now. You know, the Olympics are over. I think it's just, you know, chill time, um, you know, quick metal uh, count recap. Um, I know Norway won both the golds and the uh, total medals, which was, you know, both were expected. They set, I believe, a record for most golds in one Olympics. Now, obviously, there are more, um, you know, sports contested now than there used to be, but still just a, a tremendous, uh, tremendous performance by them. Um, U.S. finished fourth in golds, third in total medals. Um, pretty good result for them considering some of the, uh, you know, Sean White not getting a medal, Michaela Schiffer not getting a medal, you know, some of the people who are expected to, to medal uh, not doing so. Um, I think, you know, I don't know how much you watched. I think probably the story of the Olympics for me, um, snowboard cross rider, Lindsay, Jake, Lindsay Jacob Ellis, who 
Um, people will probably remember she was right. leading by by quite a bit in that Olympics. And I want to say it was Torino in, in 2006. Um, that sounds did right the, to me. The, did the grab coming over that final jump fell, ended up getting silver instead of gold and then hasn't meddled since then. And that's kind of, you know, she's won world championships. She's won like overall world cup titles and stuff like that. But you know, the no Olympic golds thing kind of, you know, cast, cast a shadow over, over her legacy. And I'm sure haunted her a little bit, no matter what she said. Um, but she won the gold in her individual event. And then they, uh, she and, and her teammate, Nick Baumgartner won gold in the uh, team event. So that was probably the story for me. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. I thought, I thought kind of the story for me was just how, well, one, how, how dominant Germany was on the sliding events. So the luge and the, you know, the bobsled and all that stuff, but, but USA was able to pull away the, the monobob, which is a new event, I guess this year where it's literally the bobsled, but just one person in there, which seems kind of weird, but I'll, I'll go with it. You know, uh, USA not really stole, but uh, was able to, persuade due to some fallout with Canadian coaches, the best Canadian monobobber to come over to the t- to team USA. So they swept gold and silver there, which I thought was fantastic for the U S but uh, yeah, th- there was a lot of great stories, a lot of um, intrigue. I think in a lot of these events that we only get to see, you know, once every four years because they, they show up at the Olympics and pretty much the rest of the time, it's almost impossible to find them. I watched way too much curling um, because it was absolutely fantastic to watch that. I love that. I got my daughter and my wife into curling this time around as well. Something I wasn't able to do the last time that the Olympics rolled around. So I was very proud of myself for that, getting them into like looking at the shots and like figuring out where, you know, like where people wanted to hit the setup and um, you know, them, them making specific calls about where people were going to shoot before I had even looked at it. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. So um, big, huge curling fans here, here in the, uh, the, the Mitts household. So, but uh, all right, Fetch, I think that's going to do it. Hopefully we have a weekend coming up that's just as good, you know, as this this week that we've had here. So, but uh, if you guys have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating interview, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. Um, you know, we really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people want to try to interview anything like that, you can contact me at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Of course, you can follow Fetch, who runs our Blue Wings Rising Twitter account over there, at Blue Wings Rise. Um, you know, really enjoying the stuff we have there with the new site and hoping for some additional big things to keep happening over there as we continue to cover and cover more sports. Um, you know, Kansas women are playing right now, and unfortunately it's not going so great uh, against Iowa State, but hopefully that gets turned around as well. But uh, but yeah, so uh, make sure, you know, we are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, if you go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, you can get your voice on the show with a question or a comment or a topic you want us to cover or anything like that. Um, we are part of the 1012 network, the network that covers all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. You know, I, I still maintain that if you want to know how the Jayhawks are going to be affected by the conference, you need to know what's going on with the rest of the teams in that conference. So if you head on over ten one two network over on twitter you can find links to all the great shows we have over there but that is going to do it for us today make sure you visit our sponsor homefield apparel promo code chalk 12 gets you 15 off your entire first order and of course we're doing that fantastic family and friend sale for 30 percent off of whatever's in that collection there that's actually still available at this point so uh but thank you guys for listening fetch thanks for joining me we will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast
Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt Isver. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between Two Bears. Okay, uh, Evan, Evan's going to go take a nap, um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Hebert. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.